All right, good morning. Um, as Chad and Robbie have mentioned, my name is Kyle Reschke. I am uh, so excited to be with you all today here at Tri-Village. Um, I am pastor of Sending and Outreach at Wheaton Bible Church, and so I oversee all of our global and local outreach, and just uh, a privilege to see what God is doing around the world. But uh, a couple of reasons I am extra excited to be with you all here at Tri-Village Church today. Your leaders here are brothers. They're very good friends of mine, and as Chad mentioned before, uh, he is an easy sell for most adventures, which I am grateful for. Um, for those of you who know Pastor Will, not so easy of a sell. Uh, as I invite him on whatever it may be, with all of the emphasis that he usually gives, heck no. <laughs> but with Will, we have our own time as well. We uh, uh, went out to lunch this week to uh, talk about this sermon and go over the passage together. And uh, what Will and I bonded over is uh, a lot, a lot of good chicken from Popeye's Chicken there in West Chicago. That's when Will goes, oh man, yeah. So I, I, uh, I love your leaders here. I am always cheering them on. I deeply respect them as pastors, um, as leaders, and uh, like I said, as brothers. But the second reason, I think this is even more important, I am 100% certain that God is moving here at Tri-Village Church. God is moving. What we are seeing, the stories I'm hearing from Chad and from Will and from others every week, seeing people coming to faith, getting baptized, joining Alpha because they have the courage to ask honest and big questions about faith, becoming members here at Tri-Village because they see what God is doing and they say, we want to be a part. We want to invest with our time, treasure, and resources because God is working here at Tri-Village. So I want to encourage you here this morning because ultimately we, ultimately we know it's not just our work. Ultimately, we know that it is God. It is God who is accomplishing these things. It is God who is transforming lives. It is God who is healing marriages, who is giving people the courage to take next steps of faith to see how he will provide. And God is granting the beautiful gift of faith. So he is using all of you here. John chapter uh, 20, verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father sends me, so I am sending you. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it shares something so clear about the church. Jesus essentially here is claiming the Father, God in heaven, sent me. He's saying God sent his best. Jesus is then taking it to a second step and saying, and when I send my people, I'm sending my best. So Tri-Village, all of you here, I think these are the reasons for so many awesome things. What God is doing here in Streamwood and the surrounding communities, he is sending you out by faith. He's saying, I'm sending my best. And many of you here are going. You're taking that step in faith. So I just want to say, keep at it. It's absolutely amazing because when we take steps of faith, we're going to see God come through. All right, let's jump into our passage uh, today. 
So we're in this sermon series, if it's your first time visiting with us. The sermon series is by faith. We have been going through chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Now this is known in the New Testament, this is known as the chapter of faith. It starts with the definition of faith and the rest of the chapter gives all these examples But it's important to remember today that these examples that were being given, sure, we could hold them up as heroes of faith. But what I love about this series and about this chapter is this isn't just a history lesson. This isn't just to say, look at these heroes and look at them on awe and let's just try to emulate there. This isn't just us going back to read in the Bible and saying in biblical times, man, God worked differently then. I wish he would work that way now with his people in faith. It is going through the Bible to see how this is not just a bunch of disjointed stories or as many critics of the Bible say, oh, it contradicts itself in so many places. It goes back and forth. How could it be true? This is actually a series that is showing from cover to cover, beginning to end, this is one story of God's purposes unfolding through all of history. So these heroes of the Old Testament, we find they became heroes. They became men and women of strength, of extraordinary faith, not because of their own strength. Alongside every single one of them, what defined them was the object of their faith. Whatever they put their faith in determined everything about them. And they had their faith in God and that's what made them extraordinary. So today we're talking about Joseph. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, here at Tri-Village Church, something we do when uh, we read God's word is we all stand together uh, to read God's word. So could you stand with me? I'm going to start in Hebrews 11.1 1, because this is the foundational verse. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then to our theme for today is uh, Hebrews 11.22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. You can all be seated. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we approach your word, as we go through a lot of scripture this morning, Father, we thank you for your word that you reveal yourself to us in it, Father. Certainly there are lessons to be learned there, but ultimately, Father, what your word does is point to the one central figure of all of history, the central figure of the Bible, and that is Jesus. Lord, keep our eyes on Jesus this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather. Lord, we lift up uh, your world and so many areas of conflict in the world. We read about this terrorism situation in Kenya where students are being held hostage. We pray for our world leaders where there can be so many tensions as they seek to work together, Father. We ultimately know that it is your wisdom that needs to prevail. Would you Grant our leaders, not only in the U.S., but every 
leader around the world, Father, your wisdom, wise counsel. Father, a vision for what you would have of them, what you would have of us as your people. So Lord, we lift one another up to you. Uh, Whatever's going on in this room today, Father, we know life as we find in the life of Joseph can be that roller coaster. The mountaintops and the deepest valleys and everything in between. So for those who are anywhere along that journey, Father, and searching for you, I pray you would be known. Father, I pray your presence would be in this place this morning and that we would all be pointed to you in new ways. It's in your most holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So in Hebrews here, we have only this one verse. Okay, and we're going to rewind in just a few minutes to the book of Genesis. Now, uh, Joseph actually takes up uh, a big chunk of the book of Genesis, chapters 37 through 50. So we've got this huge uh, swath that pretty much is just focusing on the story of Joseph. Joseph, we'll go there and get the broader story in just a minute. But what I want to do today is take us through two levels of talking about the life of Joseph. First, we're going to talk about the faith of Joseph, okay, the faith of Joseph. Second, we're going to talk about the fulfillment of Joseph. This is what I've loved as I've followed Will's and Chad's sermons uh, through this series, the way they've been tackling this, the faith and the fulfillment. Now, the faith of Joseph, why? The faith of Joseph, because we certainly see in Joseph's life that there are things to emulate, We see what faith means. We see that there can be barriers to faith. We see that in a life that can be a roller coaster, what faith really means. And so certainly we want to take a few lessons away from the life of this person. But second, and I think this is just so incredible and it's so awesome to be studying and is the fulfillment of Joseph. Because there's much more to the story of Joseph than five steps to your best life now. Or take three steps to live by more faith. Because ultimately what Joseph is doing, what he's talking about and pointing to is way more beautiful. He is part and he realizes that he's just a part of this grand story that God is weaving from all of history until today but then from today until the end of time. So we're going to start with the faith of Joseph. We need to go to the book of Genesis. If you want to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, all the verses will also be on the screen. So we're going to uh, rewind to Genesis. Uh, Today we are going to try and go through, I'll give you a major summary version of 14 chapters of Genesis as we go. But we are going to go... I thought about it too. I won't, uh, I won't take too long. If it was Will, um, you might be here for weeks, right? To go through 14 chapters of Scripture. That guy can preach, man. I love it. But we're going to rewind. We're going to go back to Genesis 50. So this is the last chapter of the book of Genesis. And we're going to get the context for what's going on here. So in Genesis 50... Verses 24 through 26. So we're in the last verses of the whole book of Genesis. Says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. 
But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110 and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Now this was interesting to me this week in preparing because I'd never viewed these verses this way before until I was preparing for this sermon. What we're going to go through today in Genesis 37 through 50 is example after example. Many of them are really common stories of what people know about Joseph, of God being with Joseph, of Joseph living by faith in the times of prosperity and in the lowest points. And then we get to Hebrews, and when there's at least 15 options to talk about the faith of Joseph that are so clear, they're like the home run sermon illustration, right? With all of those examples, the writer of Hebrews essentially says, and here we are, Joseph at the end of his life talked about his bones. So here's a question I want to have you hold on to as we go through this passage today. So why, after all of these great and amazing opportunities to talk about the faith of Joseph, God's provision in Joseph's life, and all of these situations, why does the writer of Hebrews summarize or say, by faith, Joseph talked about his bones? Because the answer to this question, everybody, blew my mind this week thinking about it. So cool how we find this continuity and how even these details that are seemingly not as big as other stories of the Bible come out to be some of the greatest signs of faith and of God's provision. But before we get to the fulfillment of Joseph, we want to start with the faith of Joseph. So four points for us today. The first, as we look at the life of Joseph, faith defines Okay, faith defines. I'm going to have four of these that we'll go through today. Now, a challenge for you all this week, great devotional, a couple chapters a day. Just read for yourself through Genesis 37 to 50. Just read that yourself this week and see, because I can't possibly get all of the amazing things that are in those chapters in here today. But the Cliff's Notes version, we start in, in 37, faith defines Joseph, at the beginning of his life, we read that Joseph was defined by something. We all know in life, whatever your faith is in, the object of your faith is what is defining you. We read that Joseph was defined by his status. Joseph was the favorite son of his father. Because he was this favorite son, he was given the ornate or the, the, the special robe that was a gift, hence the origin of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat, okay? Not entirely theologically accurate, but that is the robe we are talking about. And Joseph is walking around in this, and we read in 37 that Joseph is going with his brothers and just talking about his dreams. And all of his dreams basically show all of his brothers bowing down to him. 
So here we have a young man. We can picture the young man strutting around. Identity, faith is in. My identity is favorite son of my father. And when his brothers see him coming, they go, here comes the dreamer. And the translation of dreamer in this part, sometimes we think, yeah, dreamer, visionary, all these things. This version of dreamer, not a positive label for Joseph. It's here comes the guy who is telling us all about uh, the times when we are going to bow down to him. Here comes our arrogant brother. Here comes our brother whose identity is as the favored son. How do his brothers respond? Essentially, they respond by plotting to either kill him or something worse. Thankfully, they didn't kill him, but they did sell Joseph into slavery. So talk about the start of the roller coaster here. Joseph's life, total roller coaster. Starts off favorite son, sold into slavery. But his brothers sell him into slavery and there begins a whole new shaping of identity in Joseph's life. That roller coaster continues, the ups and downs we're going to talk about today. But as we talk about identity, I show us the first part. Joseph's identity is what his faith is in. What other people think of him. Favored son of his father. But if we fast forward to the ver- just before the verses we just read in chapter 50, we get to uh, Genesis 50, verse 19. Joseph has gone up and down across this roller coaster, okay? And now he is a ruler in Egypt, and his brothers actually are bowing down to him. He sees the realization of, this is my dream, this is... Part of his identity was going to be faith in his power over others. But after all that Joseph went through in his life, we read here that when he comes to his brothers again, and he actually does have the power. Second only to Pharaoh in Egypt, and his brothers actually bow down to him. His brothers fear Joseph's vengeance. But Joseph has matured to the point where his identity is elsewhere. Starting in verse 19, But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to him. We see so clearly who is above The ruler of Egypt here is Joseph, the top player in this statement. Not at all. Who is above Joseph? He says, am I in the place of God? And he goes on to essentially say, no, I am not. This is God. I am defined by God's desires for me. So we find this growth of identity. Now that he's put his faith in God, faith determines everything. His faith determines is defining him. To bring this to a life application for us today, I want to ask you a couple questions. Faith determines everything. We are defined by what we put our faith in. Question for you all today, question I've been asking myself through all of this preparation, what are the different things 
that we seek to define us. And if you want to see what that might be, I'm going to give you a couple fill-in-the-blank questions right now. You don't have to say it out. Just do it honestly. Fill in this blank because it's going to start to answer this question for you. Do you ever find yourself saying, I would be happy if? Fill in the blank that follows that if. As you go about your days, do you say, my life will be fulfilled when? When this comes, when this happens. When a problem arises, do you say the solution to my problem ultimately is fill in the blank? Or finally, I would give anything for. If you've done this, honestly, this is going to give you a little bit of a picture of the things we are putting our faith in. This list could be really long. A lot of little things, or for some of us, it may be one big thing. Is it money? Is it relationship? This dating relationship, or my spouse, the right job, my kids. When my kids get into the right college or have this level of success, my life will be fulfilled. Power, authority, we're going to get to this in the life of Joseph today. Revenge, is it holding on to a past hurt that I will finally move on beyond this hurt when this person gets what's coming to them? Ask these questions honestly this week. Faith determines everything. And because of the life that he had lived and the faithfulness of God, Joseph has put his faith in God, we see here. So his ability now to forgive, to succeed, to be humble, to lead, he puts it in one question. He says, am I in the place of God? Joseph's answer, because his faith is in God, he says, no. I'm a man who follows So faith defines. Secondly, in the life of Joseph, we find faith protects. Faith defines, faith protects. So when life takes a turn for the worse, the unexpected happens or temptation comes, we see in the life of Joseph that his faith protects. I'm going to highlight this in Genesis chapter 39. So again, the major summary of Joseph's life, he has the roller coaster sold into slavery. So this is a major down moment for him. He is eventually purchased by a captain of the guard in Egypt, so a man of authority in Egypt. And this man puts Joseph over the head of his household. And so we read in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. So Joseph's on the up again on this roller coaster. And that this man from time to time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. But then temptation comes. We read later in Genesis 39 that Joseph is handsome and well-built. Something that comes the way of someone who might be handsome and well-built. It's a problem Chad has had for his entire life. (laughs) Love you, man. He is handsome and well-built. He is leading the household. So he has got all this authority and the wife of the captain of the guard comes to him and says, come to bed with me. 
come to bed with me. She propositions him. But then we read in verses 8 and 9, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. But here's the key. He's still got some of that identity in himself and his own strength and his own authority and his own power. That's a journey God is walking him through, right? Through this whole thing. But then he says his faith protects. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Faith protects. Joseph defined it not by how he felt in the moment, not by some feeling of a biological urge, not by how the culture saw it, whether it was a big deal or not to the surrounding culture, and it was therefore okay. Joseph defined his response to this by something above him, the object of his faith. So the reason when temptation and tough times came that Joseph didn't fall to it, catch this though because we do this all the time, it is not some personal sense of honor. It's not some morality that he has made up on his own or some shallower reason. The reason he gives, this is a sin against not only my master, not only the woman who's propositioning me, but far more important, this is a sin against God. Joseph puts himself in that place. So think about this today as we look around or personally as we see what we struggle with. Faith determines everything. And it was his faith that his was protection. Ask yourself this question or make this statement. Whatever your faith is in is where your protection is coming from. Whatever your faith is in is where your protection is coming from. So when temptation comes, when you are overwhelmed, when you have a choice to do the right thing or not the right thing, what is faith in? We're seeing this left and right in our culture today. When our faith is in anything but God, it may look like it's going to work for a while. And for a lot of people, it seems to work for a while. But then what they call a stress test. That will be put to the test at some point. That will come to the light. Hidden sins that people have wrestled with for a long time in our day and age, social media, that stuff comes out nowadays, guys. And it's not your small town that looks at it. The whole world is looking on. Faith protects. Joseph says, faith determines everything. My faith is in God. So faith defines. Faith protects. This one I love this week. Faith forgives. So after Joseph is put in jail, he's put in jail here because the woman he would not sleep with accused him of doing so. So now he's put in jail. 
the roller coaster in charge of everything in his master's house, begins that steep descent again. And he finds himself imprisoned for something he actually resisted. He was falsely accused. But in jail, because God is with him, Joseph then is given the opportunity to interpret dreams for Pharaoh. He's given the opportunity when nobody else could interpret these dreams that Pharaoh was receiving and that his fellow people in jail were having. Joseph is interpreting them all. He eventually, through a whole other series of events, ends up elevated and becomes second in charge of all of Egypt. We'll talk about that next. So when his brothers are in need of food and assistance and a famine comes, he's been separated from them all of this time. They now come to the ruler of Egypt. They come to the brother they betrayed and sold into slavery. They come to the man who they set on this roller coaster of crazy highs and unbelievable lows and they, because they had betrayed and sold him into slavery. So the brothers are afraid. They're worried about Joseph's vengeance. Because at that time, and I would argue at this time, we live a lot by vengeance. Why do we fear somebody who we've wronged? Because we feel they would be justified in taking revenge on us when we have done the wrong thing. So here he is. Joseph is now in an actual position of power over them. Anything he wants, Pharaoh tells him, anything you want in Egypt, it is yours, it is done. That's the authority that Joseph has right now. And when we're in uh, Genesis verse 50, how does Joseph respond? He can do anything he wants to them who sold him into slavery. These are the verses we read before. How does he respond? Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So God was all over this. Joseph wasn't driven by being a victim. He was driven by what God would have of him. Because of the dreams he interpreted for Pharaoh, Egypt was able to prepare for the famine that was coming and have enough food to last through this terrible famine. And Egypt became this major powerhouse of the world. And it wasn't just about Egyptians' power. I love this part because you look at the connection, what God promised to Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham. God made a promise generations before, Abraham, from your descendants, I will make a great nation. My blessing will be known. And he says, my blessing will be known not just to one nation, not just to two, but God promises Abraham, your descendants, I will bless you and, through, and your descendants, and through them, it will be a blessing to all the nations. Now, we also read in Genesis what happens here is uh, when the famine comes, people need food. Who comes to Joseph? Who comes to Egypt? It's not just the Egyptians. We read, and the whole world came to Egypt to buy grain. Joseph sees himself as a part of this story. God is all over it. He's not looking for vengeance. He's not looking to make things right. What your faith is in determines everything. What is Joseph's in? It's not in himself. It was in God. 
So the brothers, faith, not maybe not in God yet, they're saying he's going to be driven by vengeance because we would too. So what does this teach us today about faith forgiving? What this teaches us today is that we have a tendency to play the victim. Everywhere we look today, someone is blaming someone else for the problem they are experiencing. And you know what? Sometimes that's true. There are people at fault when that goes on. But this is defining so much of what we do. It's comforting. It makes sense. It feels justified. It is part of what we do. How many relationships, even look back at your own, how many relationships destroyed because we couldn't find the strength or courage to forgive a hurt or somebody who had done something wrong to us? This is the bulk of marriage counseling situations that I see as a pastor. This is the bulk of the problems that I probably create in my own marriage. My wife is right here. She doesn't have to nod to this. But we look and we say we are always justifying our behavior by the behavior of someone else. I did this because she did this. Or I did this because he did this. And guess what? That is a cycle that never, ever ends when your faith is in something other than God. Marriage is a great thing, but if your ultimate faith is in your marriage, you are putting a lot of pressure on your spouse to fulfill you, to protect you, to give you the strength to forgive. So by faith, Instead of all of us saying somebody did this wrong, they are now totally ostracized from society. Every celebrity who messes up, I get it, that stuff is deep, that is hard. They messed up big time. But we're saying because of that one mistake, there is no redemption for you. Whether or not you repent, whether or not you turn to God, whether or not you fully apologize for what you've done, your career as, a, as whatever show, whatever comedian, it's done. But I want to ask by faith, who calls you to something better? By faith, who calls you to a more perfect and beautiful love? By faith, who tells you that holding on to hurt is not the way? And by faith, who tells you that forgiveness is the much better way? So the same God that Joseph believed in, the same God who was with Joseph is still with his people today. So this brings me to my fourth one in the faith of Joseph. Faith directs. So faith defines, faith protects, faith forgives, and faith directs. I am going to cruise through a lot of Scripture right now because I just want you to get the point of what's going on here. Joseph's bought by the Egyptian captain of the guard. We can turn to Genesis 39, verses 2 and 3. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes. Then fast forward, 39, verse 21. Joseph is now in prison, so his circumstances have drastically changed. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. 
he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Two verses more. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Starting to get the picture, regardless of circumstance, and certainly every time Joseph is experiencing success or his deepest, darkest, hardest moments, we read specifically, we don't even have to infer, the Lord was with him. Now, he's interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. Uh, Chapter 41, verse 16. Pharaoh is asking Joseph to interpret the dreams, but Joseph, who's also getting the picture, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Pharaoh, who does not believe in the God of the Israelites at this time, in verse 37, chapter 41, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. This is so key. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So we find here Joseph entirely defined, protected, working on that ability to forgive when the time comes. But Pharaoh looks and says, I am going to elevate somebody to second in position over all of Egypt. And he does not look at all the virtues. What is the leadership? What is the success they have had in battle? You know, he could go down that list and look at resumes. There is one thing that Pharaoh says Joseph has that is more than enough of a resume. In this man is the Spirit of God. So even this king looking on sees. And that is therefore all we will need. Faith directs. And God's faithfulness was with Joseph all the way. When he messed up, when he was at his low points, when he was succeeding, when he was at his high points. So what we see here today, Joseph's faith didn't lead to God's favor and faithfulness. God's favor and faithfulness led to Joseph's faith. Now I want to share with you today because you may be asking, and it's a legitimate question, is this still what happens today? You can say, Kyle, come on, this is Bible times. God worked differently. Well, we saw one example in the story of Tia this morning. She talked about, we sometimes think that step of faith has to be like, what is the rest of my life going to look at, look like? We think that step of faith, I encounter it all the time. I'm a missions pastor. Somebody's saying, my, the only step of faith is if I go overseas to be a global missionary. And what I want to share with you today is the fact that there is always a step of faith. It may be little, it may be big, but the role of every person of faith in it is to actually take that step. Don't write people off because faith determines everything. When faith is in our own personal power and superiority, we will mess it up. But when faith was in a higher power and the identity of all God's people being made in the image of God, This will change everything. So now we ask, okay, how does this happen? 
If you're still skeptical going, Kyle, I still, I'm just not sure I believe that God still works in these ways today. I'm not sure I believe that faith still looks like this, that it could define me or protect or give the strength and courage to forgive. Let's go back to our verse in Hebrews today. Because all that you have just heard about faith, about Joseph's life, about all the instances of God with him, the writer of Hebrews writes about this seemingly odd statement that Joseph makes. Hebrews 11.22 says, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. What Joseph speaks about here is an amazing faith in God. Because hard times will befall Joseph's descendants. Hard times will befall the Israelites in Egypt. They will become enslaved. But Joseph is reminding his brothers and his future generations, he said, guess what, guys? Outside of your circumstances, what has God promised? God has promised to come to your aid. God has promised to come to your aid. He will deliver you out of the hands of the Egyptians and into the promised land, just as he said he would. And Joseph, instead of looking back and saying, and see, this is what's going to happen here, guys, because these are all the times God was faithful. Joseph takes it a step further because while his bones after his passing may now rest in Egypt, he knows that future generations will be freed from Egypt and enter the land that God has promised. And he's saying, when that happens, promise me you'll take my bones there. This is so profound because Joseph is looking back before he looks ahead. This is a key lesson for today. Joseph is saying, God is faithful. I am looking back. And I am seeing all of these times that whether my circumstances were the mountaintops or the valley or everything in between, Joseph is saying God is faithful as God promises. He delivers. God was faithful. And because he looks back and says that, his example of faith is he's going to say, now I'm going to look ahead with hope. So now he looks ahead. He says, I won't see my people delivered from Israel, but I know I know for certain that God promised this land to his people and therefore I know that even my bones will someday rest in the promised land. You see, faith determines everything. The writer of Hebrews stated again, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So Joseph's faith in God, that's why he has this confidence who always fulfilled his promise so Joseph can now look forward with, not despair, not saying, hey, tough stuff is coming and that's going to be your total definition. Joseph is looking forward with hope, knowing that God is faithful. And to our last point, we've been talking about the faith of Joseph. Now we're going to talk about the fulfillment of Joseph. So the writer of Hebrews in our passage today at this time, the church is undergoing terrible persecution. Persecution from the Roman Empire. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, times of plenty and ease come. But also times of trial, challenge, persecution, heartbreak. And Christians at the time, they were in a tough spot. Persecution. The surrounding empire was brutal to them. False teaching, corruption, corruption. 
they were not sure what they were looking ahead towards or they were wrestling with, do we have hope? Should we have hope in this really tough situation? And so Joseph's reminder is exactly the reminder that the people, uh, that, that the writer of Hebrews was writing to. He's saying, people, look back and see. When God promised, did God deliver? Look back. Joseph certainly looked back and that caused him to look forward with hope. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you right now look back and see. Do you have the reason to look forward with hope? Because the hope was just not about Israel going to the promised land, everybody. The hope was an even greater hope that God would fulfill his promises. His promise back to Abraham in the beginning of the Bible all the way through. He says, I will bless all nations. God is saying, I will make everything that is wrong right again. And I will send a savior. And that savior we read through all the Old Testament prophets would proclaim good news to the poor freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and would set the oppressed free. But here's the amazing thing. Joseph isn't the only example of this. Joseph only had hints of these promises. The writer of Hebrews says at the end of this chapter of faith in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So God had planned something better than Joseph. God had planned the person, the perfection that Joseph was pointing to. So that what I'm talking about now, the central person of the entire Bible, and I will say the central person of all of history from the beginning of time until now, and to look forward with all hope, we're talking about Jesus. And Joseph was just a hint of the Jesus that was to come. So check this out. Joseph was betrayed by the very ones who were supposed to love him. Sold. Jesus is the better Joseph, and he was betrayed and abandoned and sent to death by the world that he came to save. Joseph, in what seemed to be a life marked with hardship, false accusation, imprisonment, was part of God's bigger story to bring the nations at the time to Egypt for provision. Jesus is the better Joseph because in what seemed to be the greatest tragedy in history that Jesus is the son of God suffered, was crucified, died, buried, but then raised from the dead. No longer a tragedy because he raised from the dead. He accomplished not only the saving of one people at one time from one famine, he accomplished the salvation of the world. So Joseph, who at the end of his life looked back and saw the faithfulness of God and looked ahead with faith, knowing that God was faithful. Jesus is the very reason and the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus is the reason that those who were suffering in the book of Hebrews could look back. They could look back to Jesus. The writer is saying Joseph couldn't look back to that. Joseph could only hope that God was actually going to fulfill his promises and make that happen. And so he's saying, church, at this time, look forward with faith. The reason that it's possible today to look forward with faith is to look back and say, is God the God who fulfills all promises? So to close, what is your faith in today? 
If faith defines, protects, faith forgives, faith directs. Why would you want to be defined by something so much less than God? Why would we want to seek protection from anything less? Why or how could we find the strength for forgiveness in anything less or seek direction from anything less? So the writer of Hebrews says, God has planned something far better. And that far better is Jesus, now and forever. And the central point of the Bible, this is the most important part. The work is done. God did it. He accomplished it. It's not about us working our way or just emulating the four steps or keys that Joseph have. Jesus came. And he's here. So what is left to God's people today is to choose. Is to make a choice and say, what will my faith be in? So if your faith is in anything else, that will determine everything. If your faith is in Jesus, that will also determine everything. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. We can all, with total confidence, look back, Lord, and see that you are a God who is faithful. Whatever circumstances come our way, it changes nothing about your faithfulness. So we thank you, Lord, that we can look forward with hope. Forward with hope of your provision and of your love and of your presence in our lives, Father. That it's not something we can earn or try and reach perfection, Father. You already did it. And we praise you this morning. Amen.